Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Uh, my name is Alex Puertas, guest pastor, longtime friend of uh, this church. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for the invitation to uh, join you guys. So we're talking about the uh, armor of God, and, and I'm really excited about today. Uh, I've had the opportunity to have several weeks to think and prepare uh, for this message, and I really feel like the Lord has downloaded something uh, that is, uh, that's fresh, and it's uh, for you guys. And in the process, I'm, I'm being blessed by it too. So um, let's, uh, let's jump in. Uh, we've been talking about it, heard last week's message, Pastor Rick, definitely blessed me. Um, we, we have to know the, word, the sword of the Spirit, uh, the Word of God. That's the foundation for our faith. We've got to know it. So I just want to encourage you in that to spend time in your Word and challenge yourself in terms of how much time you're learning and studying and memorizing the Word of God. Today we're going to talk about the shield of faith. Uh, in Ephesians 6.16, it says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, we've prayed a couple times. I'm just going to say a very quick prayer to start the time um, and ask the Lord to speak through me if we, if we can pray. Father, we just thank you for today. We know you're here. We, we acknowledge you. We invite you. I ask that you open every heart, Lord God. Open every ear. Jesus, you told us that let he who has ears hear. And I pray that we be ones that have ears to hear, Lord, what you have to say to us. Speak through me, Lord God. And uh, just touch the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So guys, our faith is under attack. I don't know, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. I've been around for a little bit. And I don't, there's not a time in my lifetime where it's been more evident that our faith is under attack than the last 18 months. Um, not just the church, because we can see that the church is under attack, but us individually. Uh, raise your hand if you felt under attack in the last 18 months. Anybody relate to this with me? Okay, we've got a couple of you, a couple of you working on being honest. It's okay. So, just kidding. Um, so we are under attack. We know this, right? So let me ask you this. If I were to say to you, and you know, or, or let's say Sean Ogilvie, somebody that we all know and trust and respect, said to you, hey, in the next week, you're going to get attacked by a gang who's going to come and their intent is to physically harm you. What would happen in your mindset in the next week? If, if somebody you knew and trusted said to you, you're going to be under attack by, by this gang and they, they, want to, they want to do you some harm, would your week change? Yeah, we'd probably do whatever we have to do to protect ourselves, right? Is that fair? Like, if I need to go get my own gang, I'd go get my own gang. Maybe, like, go get a baseball bat or something. Maybe some of us would, like, pack up and head to Jacksonville. Like, we wouldn't sit around, sitting on our hands, and, and just be like, well, maybe it won't happen. Right? Like, we're just going to be in faith that, that no, no. No, if somebody we know and trust said to us, you're going to be attacked in the next week, we would take action. But for some reason, even though we, 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 we know God, we, we trust God, we trust his word, 
We don't really take that same level of seriousness to what the Word of God says. And by the way, this is not, I'm not speaking at you, I'm speaking at myself in this. As I'm reading this, I'm like, wait a minute, Ephesians tells us that we're under attack. In, in, in 1 Peter 5.8, which I know you guys have heard, the Word of God tells us that the, the enemy, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's not a metaphor. It's not an analogy. It's not some old story from 2,000 years ago from somebody else. That is the Word of God speaking to us right now. And the evidence that that's true, we can see it with our own eyes. When I asked who's been under attack, most of you guys raised your hands. I have been under a tremendous amount of attack in the last year and a half personally. Satan is trying to take us out. But, but the thing is, the difference is this. The gang that I talked about, they would want to hurt your physical bodies. And that isn't even close to as important as your soul, as your heart. That's what Satan is after. Satan isn't necessarily concerned about attacking our physical bodies. He wants to hurt our faith. So before we dive into this shield of faith conversation, I really just want to impress upon you guys the stakes of this thing. Like, we're not doing this just for fun. We're not doing this just, just for, like, you know, the, the, the blessing of God. The stakes are very, very high, and the enemy is at work today, right now, in the country, in the world, in this city, in, in your life. And so God is telling us this. He's giving us the heads up. There is an enemy who's trying to attack you. And I just want to encourage you guys, for me and for you, that we need to wake up to this attack. We need to, take, we need to understand this is more than a metaphor and a story. This is actually happening. And if, you, if God opened our eyes for just a moment and we could see in the spiritual realm, I promise you, you would behave differently. I promise you that you would see that what Bible is saying about this attack is real. And we need to do something about it. We need to respond. Amen? All right. So, <clears throat> I think one of the things that happens to us too, and again, speaking for myself here as well, is that it's easy to see the attack of the devil like at a high level. It's easy to see the devil attacking the country, right? Like you can, because you, you see it at this big level and you can see the different ways that things are happening. But sometimes it's hard to see or understand or perceive it in our own life. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish between like just a bad day and, and the devil, right? And I think we have two kind of camps. We have some people that think everything is the devil. And then we have people who think nothing is the devil. And the truth is somewhere in the middle, okay? Um, th there are a limited number of demons out there. So everything isn't. Sometimes it's our bad decisions. Sometimes we live in a broken world and bad things happen. But I assure you that there is a real enemy, and he does look for opportunities to attack us. And so our responsibility is to be aware of that and to, and to understand the Word of God and what it tells us that we need to know in order to be able to stand against it. So we need to wake up to this. We need to understand that the battle is real and it's serious. And, and it's not just our hearts and our souls that are at stake. For a lot of us, it's really our family as well. God gave us all a circle of influence. 
and we're responsible to steward the people that are under our care. And so um, it, it's, the, the battle is also for them. So it's amazing that this word, right, that we're talking about the uh, Ephesians 6, it says, in addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish, this is the word that gives me a hard time, all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. All. All? The Word of God says that the shield of faith can help us extinguish all. That is the most, the heaviest three-letter word in the Bible, I think. We're supposed to have a shield of faith with which we can extinguish all? Can we honestly say that in the last year and a half, we feel like our faith has extinguished all? Of the flaming arrows of the evil one? I can't. I can't say that honestly. So that means either the word of God is wrong. Nope, that's not it. That's not the right answer. Or I missed something, right? There's maybe something more that God wants to pull out of this and teach us. And, uh, and so we're going to be talking about that and, and trying to understand how we're supposed to use the shield of faith to extinguish all. So let's talk about what faith is and what faith is not. And by the way, I'm excited because the Lord gave me something for this that I've never, like it just came from God and I'm like, oh God, it would have been enough for me just to get this revelation for me and I'm, 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 I'm certain that this is really a word for you and I, I get to just be the recipient of blessing for, uh, for going after this for you guys. So I believe that for most of us, if we're honest, we see faith like weightlifting. So here's what I mean, and I, if I'd had the time, I would have brought a bench and given you a demonstration, but instead I'm going to show you this young man. I think this is how we see faith, and here's what I mean by that. We, are, we feel like we're under this weight, and we're bearing up under the weight, and, and the more weight that there is that we're carrying in the trial and the tribulation and the, and the stressor that we have, the stronger we feel like our faith is, right? And we're like, God, I got this. Look how strong I am. Come on, give me another plate. I can do this. And we're struggling against this thing. And we feel like because we can carry more weight today than we could carry 20 years ago or five years ago, we have stronger faith. So somehow the amount of weight we can carry equals our faith. That's the way we feel if we're honest about it. And so we train and we, and we work hard to be able to handle more and more weight. But I've got news. Faith is not like carrying a weight. Have you ever noticed, this is how I'm proving it to you, have you ever noticed that there's somebody you know or you're seeing who's going through something worse than you, but they still have joy? They don't look like they're carrying a heavy weight. While we're like, Ugh, okay, I'm going to make it. I got this. Somebody else is like, hey, what's going on? How can I pray for you? And you're like, what? How is that possible? Like either for a long time, I thought something was wrong with them. I'm like, they just don't get it. They don't understand what's really happening. They're living in La La Land. And then as, a, as I got older, maybe a little bit wiser, I realized, hmm, Maybe there's not something wrong with them. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm the one who's not seeing this the right way. 
Well, look, the, the reason when you're carrying that weight and it's, it's, it's heavy and, it, and there's nothing wrong with that, we all go through this and it's hurting and you're struggling and it feels really heavy, I'm here to tell you that that isn't your faith. And this is good news. The reason I can prove to you that that's not your faith is because if it was your faith, that would mean that God is struggling with you. God doesn't struggle through struggles. God doesn't get overwhelmed by the weight of your trials. So if it was faith, then, then, then that would mean God is standing there with you, struggling under the weight of that, and it's not. The clue that you know that you're using your own strength to go through your trials is the struggle. It's the weight. The way you know that it isn't faith that you're using to get through it, but your own strength is the fact that it's difficult. And I promise you, I, this, is not, I, this is not a word of condemnation. This is a word of encouragement because I am with you on that. In the last 18 months, guys, if I, had, I wish I'd done this actually. I didn't have gray hair <laughs> a year and a half ago. The last year and a half has been tough. I'm responsible to run a company where I had to lay off like 75 people in the last 18 months. I struggled with it. I, I went to therapy to try to help me process through the different things. I struggled. I am standing with you in this word. But this is also a word of encouragement to realize there is something different that some people have gotten a hold of that helps them be able to go through hard times encouraged and with faith and with joy. And I believe that the Lord's going to reveal that to us today. So if that's not what faith is, what is faith? The Greek word for faith, Heather, I know you're excited about this. You kind of want to write this down. Heather likes to study the original language. So the Greek word for faith is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. If you're a note taker, write that down. Why is that significant? Because of the definition of that word. The Greek definition of the word pistis is to be persuaded. Which, let that sink in for a second. The definition of the word for faith in Scripture is the word that means to be persuaded. Which means that faith comes from God. It originates from God. It's God's way of telling you that He is who He says He is. Faith is God speaking to your heart and to your soul and letting you know, yeah, I'm real. I am who you thought that I was. That's me. I am. That's faith. So faith, the reason, here's why that's super incredibly, profoundly important. We think faith is ours. My faith. I have to grow my faith. We hear scriptures that make us feel like if I could just have a little more faith, right? We're misunderstanding. If you think it's your faith, then that means when you're struggling with your trials, you were, you were, tr you were stirring up, trying to stir something up inside of you that was going to somehow help you get through that trial. And, and, and the truth of that is, is that really the faith is God, it's from God, and we, all we have to do is activate 
the knowledge that God is who he says he is and that what he said in scripture was true and that is the strength we need to get through the trial, not something we can stir up. So knowing that faith is from God and it's breathed from his mouth in us is it is an encouragement because it's really about him and, and, and learning to activate that faith. So what does that mean? That means that faith isn't like weightlifting at all. Faith is like a light switch. This is the thing that blew my, one of the things that blew my mind. I'm like, what? Imagine, because we, we think of a light switch. Think of a light switch at your house, right? It's dark and, it, and it's scary sometimes. And all you have to do is flip that switch and immediately power comes. But it's not just like the light switch in your house. It's like somewhere in this city, there's a switch at a power station that you shut that off and the city loses its power. Somewhere, I just learned recently that the entire United States has three power grids. Eastern power grid, western, and then, and then Texas has its own because, you know, Texas. But that means that somewhere... Theoretically, I could flip a switch, it might be a bigger switch like this, but, but shut down the entire East Coast. So faith is a light switch that when things are dark, when things are difficult, all you have to do is access and access the power of God. That is 10,000 times more powerful than the power going into those, uh, the, the grid that's fueling half the U.S. And it's his power that will come to the situation and handle it. And, 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 and all, your, only, your only responsibility is acknowledging that it's God. He's going to do it. Isn't that amazing? So let's break this down a little bit more. First point in your outline, if you're taking notes, is that faith is nuclear. Couldn't think of a better term. I'm not for killing a bunch of people or anything like that. It's just the, the, the concept that, you know, a, a small thing has power to impact a massive area. That's the concept, right? It's not, it's not equivalent to its size, the power that comes along with faith. Faith is nuclear. Hebrews... 1039 says, but we, that means you, me, we do not belong to those who shrink in the middle of, our, of, of a bad situation but and are destroyed, but we belong to those who have faith and are saved. So this verse didn't make sense to me before I understood that it had nothing to do with me. See, because as long as it's up to me, I can be defeated. So how does it make sense? And there's days that I feel defeated. But if we understand that it's really about accessing this switch that activates the power of God into my life and into the situation, then I can feel like there's no possible way that I can be defeated. It's like, you know, if I was trying to lift up 200 pounds and I'm struggling under the weight of that because that's a lot of weight. It's overwhelming. And if I have to hold 200 pounds over my head, I can maybe do that for a few moments and eventually I'm going to tire out and I'm not going to be able to hold up under the weight. But I understand now because of what the Lord has revealed to me that under, like right here in front of me, there's like a hydraulic 
car lift. And all I have to do is set the weight on that and then flip the switch. And, and then all of a sudden, if I understand that that's how faith actually works, 200 pounds doesn't seem intimidating anymore, does it? All of a sudden, 200 pounds is like, Psh, you got anything more? I got, it's nothing. And if you understand that, even in that analogy, it doesn't do it credit because faith has 10,000 times the power of that. All of a sudden, you begin to realize the trials that seemed overwhelming and, and, and seemed like they were too much are nothing because it's the power of God that's holding you up under it. It is literally God's sovereignty, the power of resurrection coming through your life to stand up under that and all you have to do is let him do the work. Acknowledge that it's him and let him do it and then all of a sudden it's, it's, it's not so overwhelming. Does this make sense to you guys? Yeah. Matthew 17, 20 is the, the famous verse you guys all know. Truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Doesn't this context make that make a lot more sense? This was so difficult to understand before. Like, okay, we get that you're saying, God, that faith doesn't have to equal the size of the... We get that. But how does that actually work? Like, I've, I've tried... Have you, anybody tried? I've tried telling a mountain to move. <laughs> Has it worked yet? But it's because it was... The, it's the principle here that God's trying to help make, make us understand that the unlimited power of God is at disposal when we understand that it's the flip of the switch and nothing to do with us. See, we actually get in the way of God working when we try to do it under our own strength. We have to allow him to do what only he can do so that only he can get the credit. The faith doesn't follow the 10x rule. Faith is, is really 10,000x. So the second point, faith needs vision. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law will be blessed. And here, here's my point for you on this. Whatever you have vision for in your life will grow and flourish. Whatever you have vision for in your life will grow and flourish. Take an example, for example, of a young man who decides he wants to be in the Olympics. He or she wants to be in the Olympics. At some point in their life, they saw something on TV and it sparked a dream, right, in their mind, like, hey, maybe I could do that. I, I like sports. I'm pretty good at sports. It starts with a dream. The dream goes, takes the next step and becomes a vision, and now you start to have a picture of what this could look like. You know, the dream is like you standing on the podium put, having the medal. The vision, you start, now start to see kind of a, a track of saying from here to there, there's going to be a lot of work, there's going to be a lot of running, there's going to be a lot of lifting. Let's use for this example a young guy that wants to become a, a weightlifter in the Olympics. They can see there's going to be hours of working out. They're, they can see parts of how this is going to happen. But then that vision has to turn into a plan, right? And then from the plan you start to take action. So if you think about anything in your life that, that you've been able to accomplish that's significant, 
It started with that vision. You get a vision, you get a plan, and you take action. But th this is what Scripture is saying. If you have no vision for something that you're trying to accomplish, it's really more of a wish than anything else. And so whatever you apply, because vision, vision isn't passive. Vision is active. You need to take action to have vision. Vision isn't something that happens to you. It's something you pursue. And if you do, if you're just sitting around waiting for God to give you the vision, guys, you might be waiting for a while. I mean, maybe God will do it, and sometimes God does. But every story I love to read, and I've read stories of the greats in faith in our, in our, um, in our, in our, in our faith system, right? People like Jim Rayburn, who founded Young Life, if nobody's ever heard of that, is a ministry for high school students. He would go to work every day, and he would come home from work. He lived in California, and he would climb up this mountain in the back of his house every single day, and he would spend anywhere from an hour to eight hours praying for years, seeking God, saying, God, use me. He still, he was doing things at the time, and he was involved in church, but he would literally sometimes spend the night back there praying. I mean, I'm like, wow. And then one day, God gave them a vision for Young Life. And Young Life became this incredible ministry I was a part of years ago, and it's reached millions of high school students. But it came from action. So whatever you have vision for in your life will flourish. Have you ever taken the time to ask God for a vision for your faith, for your own faith. Not for work, not for money, but for your own faith. See, I believe that God has a vision for your faith, for your life in Christ. And all we have to do to tap into that is ask, seek him. And I believe he'll download it. So I'm going to do something a little crazy right now. It's not really crazy. But we're going to take a minute right now. And we're going to ask God for that. And, and it may not happen, but I want to give space for God to do this because I believe this is on his heart. So all we're going to do is this. I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes for one minute. I'm going to time it. And then ask God, God, would you give me a vision for my faith. Ask God, God, what would my faith, my life in faith look like if my faith level was at 100? Right now you might be at 10, you might be at 50, you might be at 75. Ask God, what would my faith look like if my faith level was at 100? What would it look like? What would you do through me? Okay? So we're just going to take a minute, close your eyes, and we're going to ask God to uh, show you. And if the Lord shows you something, please write it down.
Okay. And I, I, I forgot to welcome everybody online. I'm excited that we have people joining us. I know Gabri, my daughter's out there. So, uh, hi. I won't ask you if you got something because I don't want anybody to have, feel any pressure. But I, I just want to ask you that whether you did right now or you didn't, God has something. And as I prepared for this, I, I went to this place. I asked God. And I began to see a different person than who I am today. That I began to see somebody that has an impact and is intentional about spreading the gospel and bringing the kingdom of God in every environment that he's in. Somebody who's more vocal, somebody who's more activated in faith, somebody who's less afraid to pray for people and bless people and be generous. Oops, sorry. Um, and, and so God in me is developing this vision for this person that he, he thought of a long time ago. And so I want to take my vision and I want to turn it into a plan. And I want to take, start to take some steps and I want to encourage you to do the same. What would this church look like if we all activated this? What would this church look like if everybody who was a member of this church was taking steps towards 100 be amazing. Okay, point number three, faith is physical. So this is, a, this is another kind of revelation that God gave me when I was preparing for this that, that kind of blew my mind, if I'm going to be honest with you guys. James 2, 14, 14 to 17 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. See, most of my life, this felt like a harsh scripture. Felt like a tough one. Tough one to understand and tough one to swallow because I'm a performance-based guy. I'm kind of a, an athlete and I'm competitive. And so this verse, most of my life, made me feel bad. So I, I think about all the things I don't do and all the ways that I'm failing. But that's really not what it's about. What the Lord is saying here is he's trying to help us understand that where there is faith, there is a natural byproduct that happens naturally of that faith, which is physical demonstration of what that faith is. If I, if I said the word evidence to you, the word evidence, what comes to mind? Anybody have a picture of like a weapon of some sort? Yeah. Right? Um, since we live in South Florida, maybe a, maybe a bloody glove for those of you that are old enough to remember O.J. Simpson and that fiasco. That's what we think of when we think about evidence, right? Yeah. Evidence is something physical that proves that something happened. And if there's a crime that's committed and there's no evidence, it's hard to prove that the crime committed was committed, right? So it's interesting that this word evidence finds its way into our Bible. Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you're taking notes, write that down. Hebrews 11.1 1 says... And this is, by the way, the most popular, the most famous um, definition of faith in Scripture. 
It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You guys have all heard that before. We all know it. Some of us have memorized it. But what, what struck me, what really captivated me when I was preparing for this is two words. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Scripture is telling us that faith is intended to have physical evidence. This isn't a condemnation. It's, it's really, it's saying, it's, it's giving us a clue. It's like this. It's, if you're growing a tree, right? If you're, growing, if you're a farmer and you're growing a tree and, and then you have some growth coming up but there's no fruit, that's not a condemnation. It's, it's really just an indication that something isn't right. Something's a little off. You have to change the soil mixture. You have to make sure they're getting enough, enough sun or you have to change the fertilizer, something. You've got to do something so you can have the fruit that you're looking to have out of this, right? It's not a condemnation. It's just an indication. And so Scripture is telling us, how's the fruit? Is there fruit? And, and if there's not, look, that's okay. We're not going to worry about the past. Scripture tells us not to worry about the past, but we have to change something about the future. We have to change something moving forward so we know we're living in faith and the proof of that faith is the fruit. There has to be evidence. And it isn't difficult. That's the encouragement. That's the, that's the blessing of this. It's, it's realizing that all it took all along was finding that switch and then letting God do what God can do. It's, it's amazing. It's mind-blowing to me. It's simpler than I thought, but it's significantly more powerful than I ever realized that it, that it was. We think of faith as invisible. But, but, but Scripture makes it clear time and time again that there has to be substance to our faith. There has to be a physical action demonstration in the faith. It's not to prove this faith. It's just the fruit of the faith. So if we go back to the example of the young man who's trying to get to the Olympics, right? Most of these young people trying to get to the Olympics, they have to raise support because they have to train a lot. So they have to take jobs, sometimes part-time jobs, so they can spend enough time training to be able to make it. Well, they have to raise support. So if I were to come to you and say, guys, I want to be in the Olympics. I got a vision. At first, you'd be a little skeptical. But then if I say to you, I've got a plan. I've got a plan for how I'm going to do it. Here's, here's the plan. I can show you on paper. You might be a little more like, okay, well, that's interesting. You took the time to make a plan. Well, um, I'll start with giving you a little bit of support, but I'm not bought in yet. Why are you not bought in yet? Because you want to see physical evidence that I'm serious about becoming the person that I say that I want to become. Eventually, you're going to want to see my waist getting a little smaller and maybe my shoulders getting a little bigger, right? But here's the amazing thing about this. If you do see that, 
If I have the vision and I share the vision with you, and I have the plan and I share the plan with you, and then you begin to see physical change happening in my life, showing you that I believe what I'm saying, you could get behind me, right? You could get way more behind this plan. In the same way, if I never change, you won't take me that seriously. If you don't see physical evidence, you'll have a hard time taking me seriously that I am going to become who I say that I want to become, right? Maybe this is the reason the world doesn't take the church very seriously. Maybe this is the reason that the world has a hard time believing that we are who we say we are and that we believe what we say we believe because they don't see any physical evidence that it's true. So I want to encourage you. This is not the change. It's simply a realization and a commitment to, to, to activating the switch. That's it. It's not difficult. It's not hard. You don't have to go on a journey up a mountain and meditate for five years. Isn't that great news? It's a realization that it wasn't about us. That we don't have to conjure something up to be a better Christian. We don't have to conjure something up to increase the power of our faith. We just have to flip the switch and acknowledge and let God do what he can do. And say, God, I'm available. Use me. I'm a vessel. Use me and do what you can do. And be open to, to seeing where God will guide you. So what do we do with all of this? We need a vision. You need a vision. I need a vision for your life. Not just a vision for the church, a vision for you, for your life. And then get a purpose. Find out what your purpose is. If you know your purpose, then it's time to activate. If you don't know your purpose, that's okay. The church can help you. We can pray with you. Go to God and ask. Get your close friends and ask them to pray with you. But I can give you a clue. I can give you something to get you started. Find your greatest strength, because that came from God, and start having, a, having some dream sessions for how you could take that strength and turn it into a purpose. If you're somebody who is just a kind person, start caring for people. And turn caring for people into a ministry. If you're a really, really hard worker and you're blessed in your work, get a vision for how to turn that into a, a job that becomes a ministry. That can happen. If you're generous, look for ways to sow and increase the kingdom of God. Here's the most important one. Do you love to pray? Let's, let's dream of a way of turning that passion for prayer into an intercessory ministry that literally opens the heavens and pushes back the enemy. We need that. We need that more than ever. We need intercessors. So that's a great place to start. Is think about your strength and dream about what God can do with it if you would just let him. If you flip the switch and say, God, this is yours. Let's, let's do something amazing. 
Use me to accomplish your will. Get the idea? Amen. Activate your faith and get after it. So now to wrap up, last thing here is, how is all this a shield? Right? We started talking about how this is a shield that can extinguish the uh, fiery darts of the enemy. How is all of this a shield? Well, here's what I can tell you. Putting action to what you believe will build your faith. Building your faith does create this force shield around you. Here's how. We all know that the enemy hates worship, right? So like if you're feeling attacked at your house, hopefully you immediately turn worship on and blast it as loud as you're able to without disturbing your, your neighbors because the enemy hates worship. He hates it. Well, here's what the Word of God says in Romans 12.1. It says, Therefore I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So offering our bodies, taking action behind our faith is literally a physical act of worship. So worship isn't just music. Worship isn't just singing. It's what you do. So as you take steps, you build a chorus of worship around your life that builds and strengthens your faith to where the attacks of the enemy bounce off, to where the enemy is uncomfortable even being around you because your life is an aroma of worship reaching up to heaven. And if you do that in community, if you do that as a church, you repel the enemy away from this place. That's how we ward off the fiery darts of the devil. Amen? That's all I've got for you guys. I want to pray for you guys really quick. So uh, my prayer is that the Lord spoke to you today and that there's something you felt like the Lord was prompting. So what I want to do is first just, just we're going to stay in our seats, and I, but I want to pray for you. If you felt like the Lord gave you something um, from, from a vision standpoint for your faith, uh, and you don't, you're not going to be doing anything other than raise your hand, but I want to pray for that group first. Can you raise your hand if you felt like you received something from the Lord? Okay. Okay, great. Praise God. If you feel like you didn't, but you want to, will you raise your hand and I'll pray for you as well? Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for today, Lord God. We're so humbled, Lord, that you love us. We're so humbled that you speak to us, that you care about us, Lord God. You're mindful of us, Lord God. This isn't just another Sunday. This is a Sunday where we get to to be in the presence of the mighty maker of the universe, Lord. And we thank you for your voice, Lord. I pray, Father God, I thank you first of all for those you spoke to, Lord. For those those that heard you speak to them about a vision for their life, I say yes and amen. In the name of Jesus, I bless it and I ask for multiplication. And for those who haven't, Lord God, I ask that you would speak, Lord whether it be right now or whether it be when they get home, when they spend time with you in their quiet time. Holy Spirit, speak. I come against any blocking from the enemy that would seek to, uh, to confuse them or help make it difficult to hear. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And I ask for ears to hear, Lord God. 
I pray, Father God, that this would be a day of change for all of us, Lord God, that after today, our life would look different, Lord, that we would take you seriously what you say in your word and we would activate our faith for your sake and for the sake of this community, Lord. Use us, God. Change us. May we, like Pastor Rick prayed, may we never be the same, Lord. So I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless this church in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.